Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello everyone, welcome to the Redmen TV podcast where the big question is, is can you sleep too much? Um, not really, um, that's the question we've been asking Sai. He was had an astounding 11 and a half hour sleep last night which I'm genuinely blown away with um, Right, anyway, I'm joined by Georgia Stevens, by Emma Sanders and by the man, the legend, Christopher Pajak as well for this one um, the man with the whitest arms in the universe Um <laughs> those 24 inch milky pythons um, just, that's the door is all I'll let you decide oh my god <laughs> that is outrageous um, right so we've had uh, we've got a couple of kickoff questions this week but we are going to be diving into a few topics we're going to be talking about the, the three wins from three since the derby and how we're handling the Virgil van Dijk injury uh, we are going to be talking about uh, the big week that's looming obviously Atalanta is tonight but we'll kind of skate around that and talk a little bit ahead further down the line to Manchester City but the big topic is going to be Bobby Firmino the future of him um, why we think he's maybe not in great form if there's anything statistically that backs that up etc etc and we'll have a good old deep chat about that so there's anything you want to discuss with us live uh, you can use the live YouTube comments but obviously after the fact you can just tweet us at the Redmen TV uh, first kickoff question of the day comes from Robert Hallard uh, at Hallard123 he says the best Disney movie I mean I've had to, I've had to intone because it wasn't really written like a question um, but what is what is the best Disney movie George Stevens I feel like we're going to have a real uh, age gap disparity in our answers here um, where you say if you say like Moana then basically <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> I mean you're allowed it's a bloody good film but go on mine are in colour so that may be the big difference but I've just said jokes <gasps> um, <laughs> no mine's probably uh, Lilo and Stitch I think that's a great one I kind of grew up really upset that I couldn't have like a pet Stitch and that it wasn't a real thing and it was sadly just a fictional character. But yeah, Lilo and Stitch, definitely. Any of the any of the sequels. Okay, sounds Emma. I mean, it's it's Disney Pixar, but it's Toy Story, obviously. Toy Story is the greatest film that's ever been made. So I mean that's just as I mean, sorry, but like there's just there's no other film. So we can just move on now. It, it, it's it's Toy Story. That is <laughs> that's the right answer. Sorry, Chris, if you had anything other than Toy Story, but that's it. You've, you've just been shut down there. Um, do you have anything other than Toy Story? Yeah, loads of fool? loads. I love. <laughs> first of all, I've never heard of the one George just said. Um, 
<laughs> Which is probably showing my age a little bit. Lilo and Stitch. Uh, never Chris was going oh. to town by the time Lilo and Stitch came out. Why would I have been? I'd have been, yeah, about 18 when I got my driver's license, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to town much earlier, not with this fresh face. Um, not like one of my mates. Um, I think the answer for me is Robin Hood. That's the one that I enjoyed most when I was a kid. Like, um, I just absolutely loved Robin Hood. It was amazing. Or The Jungle Book. I mean, any film that's got Louis Prima singing songs in there is just an absolute winner. And Louis Prima is still a big part of my life. Still one of my favourite singers of all time. <laughs> what, is he like He's a surrogate uncle or something? <laughs> <laughs> Those recording sessions are incredible. If anybody's not a fan of Louis Prima, you need to get on to him. He's amazing. He's still a big part of my life. Like, like parents divorced and he still still comes round and takes me out on the weekends um the best clearly the best music in any disney film is is the jungle book by by an absolute mile but it's it's hard not to go with it's aladdin for me um yeah it's another it's another absolutely perfect movie and you can't beat a good bit of robin williams as well uh right we had a second kickoff question because i wanted to kind of keep it loosely football related uh tom who's at nabby lad um on twitter says the year is 2024 the coronavirus has mutated to unprecedented levels resulting in a zombie-like outbreak uh you must pick 2020 or 2024 (laughs) honestly yeah yeah he's he's given us a little bit of a stay of execution here um you must pick three liverpool players to survive with who do you pick chris payjack who do you pick well Henderson, I'm assuming he'll still play in 2024. Um, he's going to be me Rick from The Walking Dead. Like, they're <laughs> me captain type of guy. Me, me, me constant, if you will. He'll be a big part of my life for certain. Uh, I'm going to go Almost Bobby as Firmino. as big as Louis Prima. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, next is going to be Bobby Firmino because, you know, in three years' time, and if this has sort of slowly got got to this mutated level, then I think he'll have gone completely and utterly insane. And I think you need someone like that to survive in a post-apocalyptic world. Someone who's just going to make guns out of wood and think like just he seems like the kind of guy who'd just be able to put his hand to anything and you'd never know. But a bit like a bit like the guy from the Goonies, um, the little Chinese guy you used to have like little rocket packs. That's what my, that's what I'm looking for in Bobby for me, you know, in three years' time. And then I'm gonna go with Leanne Rowe because survival of the species, people. Survival <laughs> of the species is gonna be key at this point. <laughs> Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. I'm not, you know what? No, I, I, I'm not even going to dive in. That's fine. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned on Bobby for me, you know, that you'd just wake up in the middle of the night and he'd be eating your foot. You know what I mean? Like that. And he would, he's not even turned. He just decides that he likes the taste of human flesh without having to go full zombie. Um, that wouldn't shock me at all. Just some grizzle of your, your own grizzle in between Bobby's pearly white teeth, which is still somehow still <laughs> absolutely glowing immaculate white, despite the fact the world has long since ended um georgia who would you go with i probably again i probably pick hendo because i think you know the same he's probably going to keep a calm head i'd have allison i just feel like you know he'd be a protector he'd sacrifice himself for us if he needed Got a bear to. grills quality to him yeah and again and his beard would just keep growing i want to see what happens i want to see what happens with this yeah with his hair with everything i want to see like unravel. And then I'd probably, out there, Curtis Jones, I just feel like he'd find a bike and it'd just be a good time. <laughs> I'd feel like Curtis Jones would go back to Wheeling like, the prime, away from zombies. Prime scouts. Wheeling and, into them? Yeah. yeah. 
he'd turn his bike into a weapon. Yeah, I feel like I, you need that bit of like raw, useful. I mean, he'll, he might have tamed by 2024, but you'll still have a, a wheelie in him that, that doesn't leave you. Yeah, definitely. Go on, Emma, what are you going for? Um, so I feel like we're saying the same names here, but I was like, right, I need someone calm for when I'm absolutely like losing it. So it was either going to be Van Dyke or Alison, but Van Dyke would just intimidate me and he'd, he'd scare me because he's just ridiculously badass. So I'm going to go for Alison. And he's also, you know, a very handsome man, which helps. Um, so Alison, um, Again, the propagation of the species there is that yeah. <laughs> um, endo, um, again, uh, and same reasons, yeah. Oh, my, yeah. oh my no, god, like also, Emma's gonna go have a really long hot bath and a good think about this question after the fact as well. That's the way it's going. Um, like, well, there was a massive foursome, and the zombie <laughs> snuck up on them. And that's how they died. I mean, what what, what else are you gonna to do? Go. What a way um, to go! No, I mean, look, Hendo Hendo will be your leader. You organise, you know, he'll do all the stuff that nobody else can be asked to do. So and then you are what? <laughs> uh, moving on quickly. And then uh, yeah, Bobby again because Bobby's just Bobby, isn't he? He's just hilarious. So if if you need someone to have a, have a good time with, and also if a zombie does come along, Bobby can do one of those high kick chop chop things take out his neck so right yeah I like it um I, I i'm not sure which way to go with this i'm either going to go with the the full-on worker bees analogy and just have henderson milner and andy robbo who are just I like press. just go out and do all me work. yeah exactly just go out and do all me work for me they go out there main forces you know what i mean like they go and do all the brutality of of the post-apocalyptic worlds and keep me sheltered from it the alternative is to go with like virgil allison and fabinho and just because you know they're going to help you reach higher places, i.e. safety. So if you stand on the shoulders, you're probably safe. But also, if any of them was to die, there's lots of them. So if you had to eat someone, there's just plenty <laughs> of meat there. I was going to go with Matip, but just a bit too stringy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I, but more of a ladder. So maybe he has his uses. But no, I, I, you know, good, solid, good, solid defenders around you. But also, yeah, you know, plenty of sustenance for those winter months. Should it all go, should it all go awry? Um Let's know yours, uh, your three uh, Liverpool survivors um, to get you through the zombie corona apocalypse uh, in the comments. Uh, yeah, that would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, right, we're going to get through to the, the proper topics in a moment. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Derby and the Virgil injury and how we're coping. We're going to have a big chat all about Bobby Firmino. Uh, and obviously City Lumen and in fact we're going to talk to Georgia about her upcoming television appearances as well um, but yeah do stay tuned we've got a brand new book it's out right now it's Champions of Everything looking back on an absolutely amazing season for the Mighty Reds um, from a slightly more irreverent perspective uh, here's a little look at that the second Red Men TV book Champions of Everything is available for sale right now it comes in two editions the standard edition and the special edition which comes signed with a custom message of your choice and with a limited edition Redmen TV sticker pack as well. The book is huge. It is A4 size and it's chock full of insights photographs uh, from around the world following the mighty reds who were reigning european champions who won the super cup who became champions of the world and then capped it all off 
with a 19th league title, becoming champions of England. The book looks at the highs, lows, absolute insanity and bitterness of rival fans and some of the craziness from our own fan base as well along the way. It is available now on the Redmen TV store. Get involved. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Redmen podcast. Uh, yeah, we're having good fun so far. Um, so I've covered a discussion about a few of those picks, uh, which is, is not fit for public consumption, so we'll move on. Um, right, uh, yeah, three wins from uh, three since the Merseyside derby. Emma and, you know, Virgil van Dijk, losing Virgil van Dijk is a, is a massive blow. And, it, you know, I was having a conversation with the, the Toffee TV lads who were kind of a bit like, well, why is it being such a big talking points and they obviously look at it from the Pickford perspective and it's look the fact is one of the best players on the planet being out for a season is actually news it's it's news beyond uh, beyond the limits of the city of Liverpool um and it, you know I, I, there was a real thing there where and it might well yet yeah, of course but it could have massively derailed Liverpool's season I think there were a lot of eyes on Liverpool expecting there to be massive troubles because you know the, the, the prevailing logic was Liverpool were crap defensively and that was what undid everything they did and then Virgil van Dijk came in and fixed everything um, and look there's a strong case to make all of that you know and that, that could all be true to some degree um, so it's really pleasing to see how Liverpool have kind of managed to manage their way through these last few games Yeah I think that's the key word isn't it manage their way through because they've kind of yeah, it's not been spectacular. It's been a little bit, you know, job done type thing, um, which is, like you say, I think all that they needed to do because um, all eyes obviously were on the defence. It was about just picking up results. And I think it'll be a bit like that, you know, over the next couple of weeks, just because the fixtures schedule is just so ridiculous now. You know, every team's playing like, what, every two, three days. Like, I have no idea what day of the week it is. And I think twice this morning, Sai and Ross had to tell me that Liverpool were playing on different days than what I'd said, because I just have no idea when, when they're actually playing. So the whole, the whole like, well, domestic league is madness at the moment. There's just goals flying in everywhere. So you do still feel, though, that come the end of the season, the team with the strongest sort of core and um, defensive stability will, will still come out on top. And that's obviously, you know, as you said, Van Dijk coming in is essentially kind of, you know, what's what's taken Liverpool right to the top alongside Alisson and obviously some other key players around them. But you do think, like, especially Van Dijk's arrival um, with Alisson has sort of provided that that sort of stability at the back. And yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens this season. But I, like I said, I do think towards, you know, after January, I think it will start to level out. And I think the teams with the, with the best defence will, will start to kind of come out on top. And I think that's where Liverpool are going to be really tested because at the moment, as I say, you can you can kind of just bundle through, and it's just about picking up the wins. Um, but I think I think our tests is it, going to come when when the games are uh, they're starting to be in the legs, you know, and and I think that's when the rotation is, is that we're doing now is going to play a key role because you're not just you're not just playing towards the next game. You're planning ahead for because it is it's not like he's he's going to be coming back in a few weeks. He's out for months, so you've got to plan ahead. Um, so that you know the likes of Nat Phillips, who's who's obviously not played, um, you know, a lot of ninety minutes of, of first team football, sort of week in, week out. Um, you know, is he going to be able to sort of still be able to play at the levels kind of expected of him come January? Obviously, Joe Gomez is going to be playing constantly. We all we all know John, John Matip is is just you know made out of sugar. So it's you know it's 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 how long these players can can consistently perform. And I think, you know, I think 
that that's going to start to show, um, you know, in, in the new year. I think what's interesting, what we've seen so far, I think Emma's, Emma's right, Liverpool are going to have to find a way to, to kind of get back to their best in the in the medium or medium term, certainly, if not the short term, Georgie. But in the short term, I think what's clever is I think Liverpool are being a bit cannier, you know, with, with, with how they play. I mean, it's interesting with the, the Nat Phillips stuff is that Nat Phillips was just told to go and be a defender. Nat Phillips wasn't told at the weekend to go out and be Virgil van Dijk. He wasn't told to go out and be Joe Gomez. You know, there's, there's, he's just he's smash, smashing balls away. You know what I mean? There's no, like, Nat Phillips, you're now, as our eighth-choice centre-half, expected to come in and be this super-cultured centre-half. You know, and, and I think Emma's right, there's going to come a point maybe in the season where we're going to need to get up, you know, better. we need to go better get up to speed or what have you but you know I, that, I think that's part and parcel I think it's quite intelligent with what we've done I don't think we've been great I don't think our performances have been great but again it, it shows an understanding you can see Jordan Henderson taking on more responsibility just to make sure that the back four have a little bit more you know have that responsibility taken away from them a little bit yeah I think the, the strange thing is is you know if a team loses a centre back nine times out of ten like say a team selling a centre back they know that that outgoing is happening they have time to prepare for you know other partnerships and things like that I think with the Van Dyke injury is we, we hadn't really played with like a, another partnership it wasn't something that we regularly did really even in cup games it, it was either the whole squad changed and there was no we never really experimented with Joe Gomez playing alongside someone else or you know Joe Gomez himself was never really this regular starter it was between him and Matty but I think that's what really threw us is, is that and then you know obviously Fabinho picking up a knock again it, it's like we're kind of learning on the job of oh well this works in this scenario this works works and I think Klopp's done a, a, a brilliant job of like you said not trying to force like a circle peg into a square hole it's, it's never going to happen Nat Phillips is never going to be Van Dyke, but Nat Phillips is good at what Nat Phillips does so just let him do that yeah I mean for me I just want to uh, add on to what Georgia said there because it, it was sort of pertinent and I just want to expand on it the Fabinho injury like we're not only missing the best centre half in world football, we're missing one of the best DMs in world football at the weekend. Uh, you know what I mean? And like that's that's not talked about enough for me, if I'm honest. Because what my words that changes everything, doesn't it? And not only does it change everything in the game that we've missed Fabinho in, but it changes everything in the games that he was available for. And Van Dijk was injured in. So so now Liverpool are trying to adjust not only to a new defence, but a new midfield and, and how that midfield actually protects the defenders. And, you know, I think there's some underlying statistics which I think should be quite encouraging to Liverpool fans. And these are freely available XG stats. Um, if you go to understat.com, you can look at this. And, and, and I do quite often. And... Liverpool's expected goals against is only 8.47 this season, which is less than Leicester's, just over Tottenham's. So Liverpool, Leicester, Tottenham, Everton, Southampton are all in the eight expected goals against. Wolves are like nine, Chelsea is seven, Villa are seven, Arsenal are seven, City is seven. We've conceded seven goals pretty much more than what we were expected to achieve. Now, I know not everybody puts everything into expected goals and, and, and the modelling, but it does give you a, a, an underlying thing that Liverpool have conceded some really sloppy goals that they probably shouldn't have conceded and I think as Liverpool fans we can remember each one of them you know uh, you know and and that's that for me is is a is at least a note of encouragement that we're not as bad defensively as we think we are um 
and that Liverpool are doing everything in the powers while spinning plates here, there and everywhere to continue to garner wins and stuff. And the fact of the matter is, look, yes, we're, we're, we're struggling for numbers, but you wouldn't actually say that we were actually, in the game at the weekend, did anyone actually think we were going to lose that game? No. Even when we were 1-0 down, did anyone actually think this is a game we're going to lose? No. But I rest my case. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's right, isn't it? But I mean, but equally, I think we, we as we, we were saying during commentary, where we, it, it did feel, it didn't feel like we were going to lose, but it didn't feel as though it wasn't possible for us to concede, which is what I've, we have had, had for a while. We felt very, very imperious, whereas we do feel backed a little bit to like that point where we can dominate the game for 89 minutes and concede a goal absolutely out of nowhere, which is the concern. But then again, it's an expected concern we're currently playing with, like, yeah, you know, a, a very makeshift team indeed. And it's interesting because we were very nearly without Alisson as well. And there's, there's a world where, you know, if you've not got Alisson, Van Dijk and Fabinho, well, Christ, you you know, you very much are into that pack of teams who are going to be scraping to finish fourth. Because you look at like look at Manchester United and you look at like your Chelsea's and you look at your Arsenal's. And you look, they've all got deficiencies in key areas and we haven't had them for ages. We've had absolute towers of strength in those. It's just so, I think we're very, very fortunate that we've got an Allison back in the, at, at the time we have because I think he's going to he's gonna help immensely in that way. If nothing else, because, you know, you can get through our defence, but you still got that mentality of, oh shit, I've still got to beat the best goalkeeper in the world, um, which yeah. is definitely something that, that, that is a struggle, is a struggle for people, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to go back on to the understat stuff as well, um, because I think the other thing that it showcases is that our expected points is like 15 and we 15.24 so even with the dodgy defending we're still expecting to win games because of our attack and you know it's very easy to get into uh, the defense isn't good enough mentality but when your attack is good enough that balances out so for, for all the whinging we can do about defenders and you know we don't have the players and stuff like that we've actually still got players all around the pitch you can win those games yeah. and i think that's massively important and something that we seem to be forgetting a little bit at this time yeah emma yeah, and I think like it's it's important to remember as well that every team is shipping goals at the moment. Like th- this isn't just exclusive to to Liverpool. You know, not being as defensively solid as we were last season, we're seeing this across all of the teams in the Premier League. Like there is just more goals. Um, and again, whether or not this comes down to the to the schedule and the fact that you know players are just making more individual mistakes because you know they're they're having to concentrate and like keep these high focus levels basically every two to three days. But I think I think that is encouraging as well. That the fact that you know it's this isn't an isolated incident for Liverpool. It's it's happening across the board. And, and like I say, I I genuinely think it will start to level out. Absolutely, and just um, before I come to you, George, it, it's just this is going to be a big. This is going to be a big test this week for everything we've discussed. I think so far, so far, so good. But now that you know, Matip's going to be thrown back into the conversation this week, one way or the other. This, you know, it was a very tricky away tie with Atalanta, but obviously then Man City at, at the weekend, the Man City who tore us apart with a good Liverpool, a good healthy Liverpool side put together after the restart. I mean, Georgia, that's something that is, 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 you know, if we can survive this week, then I'm not sure, you know, there aren't many tougher weeks actually we've got, you know, between now and January, certainly. Yeah, this week I think will be the testing point and it'll be something that we we measure ourselves against. You know, uh, we'll look at it and we'll compare it to last season, and, but we'll also, you know, in probably three, four months' time, look back at it and think either, you know, and we do well just to keep the ship kind of going there. I think as well what what's worth saying with 
the the whole of the Premier League kind of suddenly banging in goals left and right. It's got to take into account fans on in the stadium, and and it works in both ways. You you have that lapse in concentration that is no longer kind of boosted by fans screaming at you every two minutes, but also from a forward sense of kind of thinking is they don't have that pressure anymore. They don't have, I think we've seen it remarkably with Calvert-Lewin and the way he's just bagging goals left and right. Now, give it last season when he wasn't necessarily, you know, scoring and, and there was questions raised of him as a striker and his ability. So we're having a conversation about Firmino. You know, the, the crowd certainly doesn't help. You, you've got people on your back. But I think for forwards, this is probably the easiest time for them to be a forward because you know there is literally no pressure on them it's a, it's a training match essentially there's there's a uh, super chat we've had come in here from Ashley Frith um, which I think is really interesting he says let's be honest Matip Gomez is our strongest centre-back partnership with Virgil out however I like the fact Philip is an old school defender we will need and I, I wonder whether the concentration thing is actually not a bad point when you refer to we refer to that Phillips Georgia because you know there's a lad who's going to be nothing but concentrated you know he's chucked in and he's he isn't, you know, he doesn't need to overthink his, his role at the moment. His job is just to come in and edge head, head shit out and kick yeah. and kick stuff away. And actually, that actually might be, that actually might benefit us in a, in, a, in a weird way. Definitely, and I think we we saw it with Reese Williams as well. Of like, you know, the idea of this lad who's learned to trade in, in the lower leagues of football, and it, it it's a lot different than it was. 10 years ago was a lot different than it was five years ago. You know, lower league teams are now looking to have a structure and an identity and a way they play football. And, you know, Reese Williams and the Liverpool staff aren't just going to send them to somewhere that's playing, you know, Route 1 football every five minutes. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, we might need to. But it's the idea that, you know, these centre-backs have kind of learned their trade, they've, they've experienced it probably against bigger and tougher forwards than, than the Premier League has to offer in terms of, you know, kind of what they have, but it, it's the quality that they're coming up against. But like you said, I think the the, the actual younger, you know, generation and then the ones who are quote-unquote more inexperienced in the Liverpool side may actually be the thing that saves us because they'll be nothing but kind of motivated and 100% on the ball because this is their time to kind of stake a claim and we've said it. It's not that they're going to replace Virgil van Dijk but who knows when Virgil comes back if the, if there's an option for a partnership there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, we're going to move things on. I want to talk about Bobby Firmino. Um, there's a, 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 for a couple of reasons, like you know, there's a chance we, you know, we could leave this a couple of games because obviously there's a couple of big games looming. There's every chance Bobby Firmino kicks on, but I kind of I'm kind of hoping that we totally jinx it and we, uh, we 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 talk about Bobby Firmino and then he just has an absolutely stellar week ahead. Um, but I think at the moment, Chris, there's no really uh, no real escaping the fact that. Bobby's not in form at the moment. You know, he's uh, 10 appearances so far this season, just one goal and two assists. Um, he's, uh, we've got a comment here from Connor S, which we can kind of kick off with. He just says, um, just need to rest, don't throw Bobby out with the bathwater. But there have been a lot of people kind of, I mean, you know, there's always going to be people who have massive overreactions and you can see them all over the internet, it's what it's for. Um, but I think even the most level-headed of, of, of Liverpool fan here is starting to think, is there, is there something that needs to be done about Bobby Firmino? What do you think? 
I think he's lost form at the moment. I, I don't think he's playing as well uh, as he has been for us. I think, you know, you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. We know what uh, a high level he can play at, and we know sort of that he's a world class player. Um, now, the difference that we've got and why probably a lot of Liverpool fans are talking like this and thinking like this is that we've got a genuine player on the bench who's scoring goals and who is actually making it difficult for in in our in our eyes, Jürgen Klopp. And that's obviously Diogo Jota, three goals in three games for him in a week. Um, all of a sudden you've got him, never mind knocking on the door, he's got the battering ram with Shakiri and the two of them little guys are trying to lift it up and smash into Jürgen's office. Um, and that's a good thing. They sat on each other's shoulders with a giant <laughs> trench coat over them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but this is look, you know, Diogo Jota has done really well, but Diogo Jota hasn't come on and played the nine. So it's whether you trust in Salah or Mane to play that nine as well as Bobby did. And you know, there's um, there's loads of things that we could talk about here. Like first of all, it's the amount of minutes that he's played over the last few months. I know you've got a load written down there, Paul. Whether you want to give some context to this part of the conversation or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. No, you're all right. No, okay. <laughs> No, I think I, I will. We will do it in, in a moment. But I think what's interesting about it, Chris, is that just kind of what you just on the Jota stuff, we've not. It's an unusual situation for us. This where you know normally we bring lads in who are meant to be upgrades on our players, and the players we've got just get better. So like we bring Naby Keita in, and Genie Van Alden just gets brilliant, and Oxley Chamberlain comes in, and Henderson becomes and, and Fabinho, and Henderson becomes even better. It's it, we've got a couple of incidents where you just buy someone who's boss, and they drop in Allison and Virgil Van Dijk are the obvious examples of that. It's actually a weird circumstance here where you've got a lad that you really want to be stepping up. You want to see a reaction from Bobby. You want to see him go back to being better but we've actually now it's it's the first time we've been able to have this conversation with one of the front three where there is another lad in the understudy category who's not just a, a, a you know a, a hope like you know you're hoping Rian Brewster comes good or you're hoping that Daniel Sturridge stays fit or you're hoping that or you have to change the system in order to fit a, a Divock Origi in this is the first time we've, we've ever actually had a natural fit for the front three but as you say, kind of banging on the door, waiting to come in. Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting point. I think you know, again, I was looking at the the underlying stats behind a lot of this, and you know, last season after seven games, we'd obviously won all twenty one points that were available, hadn't we? Now we'd only scored sixteen goals last season. This season, after seven games, we've scored seventeen goals. Mm-hmm. So, are you judging Bobby Firmino on just Bobby Firmino, or are you judging him on team performances, or are you judging him on how, on, as to how the front three play together? Um, because yeah, his his xG himself is less, just over half of what it was. It's point two nine now, and it was. Uh, oh, sorry, it's 0.28 now, and it was 0.48 a game. So it's considerably dropped this season. But actually, I, I went and tallied up the front three um, over the over uh, over a period, and actually, the front threes expect the goals are 1.7 a game at the moment, and they were only 1.61 last season. So actually, we're expected to score more goals with just those three players than we were last season when Bobby's XG was much higher. So is Bobby's XG lower because uh, but he's creating more space for Mane and Salah? Who knows? I mean, the, these are the questions that I, I think. It's too simple to just say to somebody, well, we should drop Bobby because he's on poor form because he's part of a team and we've got to remember that at all times. And the team yeah. is greater than the sum of its parts. And is the team with Bobby in better than the team with somebody else in? That's the question that we need to be asking. And until yeah. we've got data, we won't know the answer. 
Well, that's an interesting point, and I mean, I guess that's the, the the point that we can't know is that you know is is here. We we know what a pivotal cog he's been in the machine for years now under Jurgen Klopp, and it's all well and good saying you know I, 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 it's always been a base. Like, well, just more goals. Well, yeah, fine. I, and I don't think anyone would disagree that Bobby Firmino probably could and probably should score more goals because he he does get chances. He just doesn't score them. You know, when he when he gets them, he's not a he's not a natural goal scorer. I, I think all of us could probably say would probably be happy to to, to say that about about Bobby Firmino. But it is that thing of if you pull him out and let's say you put Jota in, or yeah, and you and you move Salah to centre forward, we don't know. What that? What if, What's the knock-on effect of that? You know, does, Salah might score more goals, but does it mean that Mane scores less goals? And do you, you know, that's always been our issue: is that we've got two lads who score twenty goals a season. Not many teams have got that, and Bobby might be the guy who actually allows that to happen. Yeah, you're right. Like he, he is the full guy. He is the guy who does the dirty work and doesn't really get glory from it. I, I was, I was watching the highlights again from the from the game this weekend, and um, and there, there was that moment where he just sort of like, I think it was. The, the chance for Henderson where he had a shot sort of just on the edge of the box and it just went r- wide of the post and it was Firmino who was sort of like sort of hustling in the box and basically sort of kept the ball alive and then yeah and then sort of teed it off for, for Henderson and he, and he got that chance and that sort of epitomised like what what Firmino does and I, I, I've i been quite you know public in the past like he's, he's my favourite local player I'm, I'm a huge Firmino fan and I have a lot of respect for the work that he does however well I completely agree with Chris's point of you know, we we're, we're not going to know truly until we see you know data until you know till we know what kind of runs he's making into space and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But now I look at somebody like Jota who's come on, and not only is he also providing the runs and doing the kind of dirty work that we see Firmino do, he is adding the goals as well, um, which which is why I'm sort of leaning towards. Not that I think we need to. It's not necessarily about dropping Firmino. It's the fact that we've now got an option to rotate. And, you know, like I said before, we're playing games every two, three games. So uh, two, three days. So why not? Why not just change it up? Put the man in form in at the moment and just say to Firmino, look, this is not us saying we don't appreciate what you do, um, but you need a rest. And we've got a guy here who's come in. He's, you know, firing on all cylinders. He's getting goals as well as doing the work off the ball. So let's give him a game or two. Um, and then I'll throw you in, and I'll give I'll give you an opportunity to sort of you know come back in and, and show what we're missing. And I, I think that will be a good thing. I think that will give him the boost that he needs. Yeah, it's interesting. Chris was saying it before. Looking into the minutes and whatever that he's played since you know since joining Liverpool, even before, and he's he's never played less than three thousand minutes a season. And you know, top end getting getting closer to closer to four. And it's interesting the players that you see clutched around them as the most minutes played for Liverpool in that time. You know, early doors. He's like you know he starts the first season seventh most minutes across all competitions behind the likes of Milner, Klein and Lallana and I think those names are quite interesting because you know they're all lads who are a couple of years or a few years older than him who've all you know you know Milner Milner's absolutely eternal but you, we're seeing this season now where you're starting to see the, the, the limits of the limits of James Milner Lallana moved on Klein's body couldn't handle the stress then when Genie comes in Genie is a perpetual figure at the top of those at the top of those charts but it's also interesting 
interesting that we've been trying to buy players in and around Genie Wijnaldum's position to, to, to kind of bottle that to, to insulate ourselves against I think you know uh, not needing him as much long term and the other ones who play loads of minutes in that time uh, you know after after coming and establishing themselves are your Salas your Mane's your Trent's uh, and your Robbo's all of whom I actually think have come back Georgia from come back this season Trent may be a slight exception to this because I think his injury over the summer didn't help him but Robbo comes back after lockdown he looks fitter Salah looks fitter Mane looks just as fit as he, as he ever do, as he ever does I, I feel like there's loads more to come but there look there might be a point Bobby Firmino's 29 now um, and he's played a lot of football and that's not even accounting you know Copa America and World Cups that have been chucked into that and all the travel for play, for international for footy for Brazil in between you know, we, we some lads just react to these things, but I think Fernando Torres. You know, it's a different example because he's a su- he's a super pace merchant, but he gets injuries and that disappears. Bobby Firmino hasn't lost pace, but he, it's possible that we have just used the best of Bobby Firmino. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you said about, you know, how who he ranks among. Like, none of those players, they're pretty much box-to-box players, whether they're, you know, full-backs or midfielders. Bobby Firmino is a, a forward, a, a striker, false nine, whatever you want to call them. Um and and there's a there's a brilliant article by Sky Sports and it, it literally breaks down in, in stats of, of what he's done and he topped the charts last season as as the the forward who covered the most distance and spent the less the least amount of time walking in the whole in the whole Premier League. Now what we say about measuring we don't measure Bobby on goals we don't measure him on this you know. The, the one thing we can't actually measure is maybe the third man runs that he makes and the space that he creates unless you want to you know watch every game and tally where he does that which I'm sure somebody would but what we can if we don't measure Bobby on goals then we do kind of measure him on the pressure that he puts up top and last season he topped the charts again of winning the ball in the final third now this season you know we're not even there but he, he's not even in the top 10. And above that, there's 10 other Liverpool players who are above him in winning the ball in the final third. So it's not that the team performance has gone down. It, it's generally just that his has. And there's nothing wrong with that. It is form. And like you said, if you're playing this kid, like this guy every game, 
you are going to reach a point where it does dip. And yeah. I think because of what's happened you know, with the team, we've said it before, when the team's been performing super well and Bobby's in there, you just let it slide. But I think with the kind of tight tight wins that we've had and you know the the odd stumble here and there, it's just kind of sh- kind of shined a spotlight on on what he is and, and isn't doing. Yeah, it's uh, again. This is the thing. I mean, Chris. Ultimately, it's still early doors in the season. I think it's it's hard. But we've been saying this a lot in the last few weeks. We've got our understanding of how of how football is and what football looks like, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's a whole load of factors that are, you know, if you were trying to if you were trying to extrapolate something out, there's so many more unknowns yeah. this season than there have ever been. Um, there's just as much chance that for me, you know, just, you know, I, I don't know whether it's just confidence, whether a, a good goal here just kicks him on and he goes on a little run or it might be whatever. I don't know. It feels to me a little bit like he's, well, he's playing against himself a little bit, you know, like he's, he, he, he revert, he's reverting to type and for type Bobby Firmino is, you know, you've got those players who are flair players who when it isn't going well for them, they, they double down on themselves and they dig themselves into a deeper hole by trying the more, the bigger and the more extravagant. God knows we've all played them in five sides. I'm sure I have a feeling Georgia might be one of them. Um, just tries the bigger shots from distance when things aren't going. You know, he just goes for top bins to pull herself out the things hole when it's not been a great well. game. Let- Let's whip off the rainbow flick, you know, that's that's yeah. going to fix it all. Yeah, just to prove to everyone you are a good footballer, despite the fact that it's nothing going well in that game. But Bobby Firmino, I think, is the is the exact opposite to that, because I, I think he goes back to doing the, 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 the basics of his game. But the problem is, is, when he does that, it becomes harder for the naked eye to almost judge what he's doing because that ultimately you know football is a at the top end is a goals and assists business and if they're not quite going for him it is harder for us without going into the underlying stats to see quite what Bobby Firmino does yeah I think so but I don't think it's that difficult to get into a lot of the underlying stats I mean let's talk goals and assists then Paul Liverpool's front three have scored 14 uh, 12 goals sorry in seven games that's 1.7 goals a game extrapolate that over 38 games you've got 65 goals from your front three in the Premier League last season our front three scored 46 goals in the Premier League so are you judging Bobby Firmino on just Bobby Firmino's performance or are you judging him as part of the team team. and and that's where it comes down to for me um, is that people need to judge him as part of the team and would Diogo Jota have come on and got goals in the last three games if it wasn't for the front three softening the other team up tiring the other team out Liverpool playing the ball around keeping the ball loads so until until Jürgen tells me that he's taken Bobby Firmino out and it will probably be for a rest if that is the case there is absolutely no way I'm going to sit here and tell you that Bobby Firmino's done because Liverpool are top of the table the front three have scored more goals uh, you know than the they're on course to score more goals even if they just play at the same level between now and the end of the season as last season when we won the league I mean talk about just like it just seems mental to me it seems absolutely insane that we're having this conversation when we're sat at the top of the table and everyone knows the defence is actually the issue it's just fucking insane yeah yeah George yeah one, I just love the idea of Jurgen Klopp calling up Chris personally and saying, listen, lad, I'm dropping Bobby this week. I just need you to know. Just so you know. It, it just, I just want to brace you. Yeah. Chris saying, nice. you say, I Hi, Chris. Is this Chris? Are you sitting down? <laughs> yeah, very nice, Jurgen. You're not. Yeah, because understat.com says this, Jurgen. Yeah, have you considered, Jurgen, stats? Can you get Pep? 
Pep Linders to look at some stats for me, please. Yeah, I'll give you my logins. Me on the call. Yeah. 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 Turn your camera on, Jürgen. No, yeah. Camera on. Yeah. I I think I just it's the idea that yeah we are talking about it because I think I think Liverpool fans for the past kind of month we we've had a bit of a wobble and we've never been in that situation. I think we've all just been a little kind of shocked by what happened with Van Dijk and and the derby and everything that's gone with that, and it's just kind of piled the pressure again onto Firmino. But I think the the important thing was was would Jota have done what he done if he was starting? You don't know. Is he a, a sub impact player? There's nothing. Are we tactically? Are we tactically? And it's it's a bit daft. I don't think this is truly true. But are we playing a little bit of rope a dope? You know, in 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 that regard of you know of trying to, as we say, do what we do and trust that normally it might work. But if it doesn't, you've got these super impact subs to come in when 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 things are running a little a little low on fitness or whatever in the game. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, Emma, what have you got? Yeah, I just think I, I'd like to sort of talk a little bit about how, you know, we've obviously had to try and change things tactically, defensively. We were talking about Nat Phillips before sort of coming in and just being this player who just sort of, um, you know, with respect, just kind of gets rid of it. Um, that's not to say, you know, that he can't do more with the ball, but that's kind of, you know, he's just doing the basics. And I think, I know we've discussed it on Redmen um, already this season, but maybe like Trent's role seems to be a little bit less advanced because he's, you know, taking on a bit more responsibility of doing the defensive duties. Now, when we're talking about these different changes in defence and the fact that the midfield then had to provide more cover to sort of help out the defence, are we then seeing the front three having to create more for themselves than chances being created for them as well? So does that mean that Firmino is now having to drop deeper to kind of, you know, provide a bit more of that link between the midfield and the front three? Are we seeing him perhaps playing more out wide because... Trent and Robbo aren't in a in as many advanced areas. Are we seeing him, you know, act more as the kind of, you know, as Georgia mentioned before, that the kind of the third the third man assister or the, you know, the runner before the chance is created? Are we, are we seeing him play a different role because the roles around the team have had to adapt because of our defensive frailties? The thing, the, the one for me. Um... Right now, and why I think it's a bit of a non-issue because I don't think, and I think you were kind of driving at this, Chris. I don't think Jota's the man for Firmino because it fundamentally changes our front three, and that might well be. We might find next season that, like having you know the way that we went from just Mane to Mane and Salah, when you've got these two super pacey guys on the on, on the flanks, we might find that a Mane Salah Jota is the absolute answer, you know, it might, and then you got, you buy another couple of guys and you do similar things behind them and that's a, it's a revolution. It's Minamino for me and, and, and until Minamino's ready, I don't see the point of, I don't think we're going to see Firmino dropped out because I think Minamino, the, what he's meant to be and what we're seeing from him is he's being groomed as the, the understudy to Roberto Firmino. He performs many of the functions that Firmino does and he's not the one knocking on the door. I think the fact that Joss is knocking on the door is great, but it just means that we're able to rotate Salad and, and and Mane or Mane maybe a little bit more and keep keep more coming out of those guys. At the minute, yeah, until we see Minamino follow a similar suit, we might Bobby Firmino will just carry on because everything you said is true. Whilst Mane and Salah are still performing, it's it's it, it's fine if Minamino can come in and do what Bobby does, but add goals. Well, that's when you've got a real conversation on your hands. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that, Paul. I think Minamino is the man that's going to eventually, hopefully, take over from from Bobby Firmino if he's good enough for that. And you know, I, I just wonder whether if Bobby, if if Taki Minamino comes into the side and Mane and Salah continue to keep scoring, but he doesn't score, would that actually give us a better marker of what that role is? Yeah. And how long before, you know, how many games with Taki Minamino not scoring before people start whinging? That <laughs> he's he's not the answer, even though Liverpool continue to win games and Manny and yeah. Salah continue to... It's just one of those positions. It's, you know, and and, it, and it, unfortunately, I say position, it, it's a role rather than a position. It's one of those roles, you know, when you're not there to score it and, and be at the business end every single time, when you're there to create space so others... After a while, people get bored of you, and people people are going to start questioning. I think Emma's point was absolutely perfect there. I think everything everything that she was saying about how, you know different players' roles changing. Every time she mentioned a new player and a new role, I kept thinking of instances over the last three games where something like that's happened, where Bobby Firmino has been on the halfway line picking the ball up, uh, where Mo Salah has been more on the right wing because Trent hasn't been there, uh, you know, and. and it's it's all part and parcel. You can't just take a team game and look at individuals in a team game. It it isn't about that, and it's never been about that. Um, I don't know what you think on that, Georgia. I think that I mean, there's literally evidence to back up what you've said of Firmino's heat map this season. Uh, albeit, you know, a lot shorter and we're going on short game, but his heat, heat map this season is a lot deeper and a lot more central than it has been for the past two. Uh, last season, he was pretty spread across both wings and, you know, central of the six-yard box and deep of the 18, but pretty much straight across, but no deeper than the halfway line. The season before, he's predominantly on the left, kind of outside the 18-yard box, but again, no higher than than the halfway line and we saw that because of kind of the Mane and Robertson role then wasn't fully established and then last season that really took off so you know shifting towards the right operating there whereas this season he's operating around the halfway line and I'm more on the right on Salah's side which which relates to what we're saying about Trent and, and giving an options on that side because the, the roles shift and I think it is it's hard to understand and it's hard to get your head around a striker not scoring because that is just the way that we grew up thinking that that's you know your number nine is the one who gets you the goals but the fact is is you know Bobby Firmino wasn't Harry Kane Bobby yeah. Firmino wasn't Jamie Vardy he never has been and and that gets a lot of stick that gets you know the defensive forward throw all things like that but he isn't and he's not quite a number 10 he is literally just this enigma that we've got playing forward. <laughs> His problem is, is he scored 27 goals in a season once. He scored 10 goals in like 12 games in the Champions League. And he was, that was the season where he, he announced himself. And it's a bit like the Salah thing, where he had that amazing breakout season for us. And he's kind of... We watch him every week, so we see how brilliant he is. But in, in the wider world, maybe, you know, again, it, this, the eyeball test, without going into the deeper statistics, yada, yada, yada... The, the, your, your layman of football goes well number nine scores less goals isn't in form um, I mean the only thing on this is that like I said I, think, I don't think any one of us thinks Bobby Firmino's in form I don't think any one of us thinks he's playing brilliantly. I mean, again, you just if you, one goal this season is not enough even by Bobby Firmino's standards is, is, is poor it's just whether we think that's because 
he's done or whether we got because he just there's there's a number of different factors that it could be and I think at the moment it's too, it's kind of too soon to tell and unfortunately as I say I think it's not until his natural understudy's ready and he gets that you know and, and Minamino comes in and does the job better I don't think we'll ever we, we can we can truly know Chris yeah, and I just want to sort of riff off one of your points there. You know, that season was 2017-18, wasn't it? The, the one with the all the goals and stuff. And he played less minutes that season than he did the previous year and than he did last season. And he scored well more goals. Um, and, 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 you know, we're talking about how many minutes and, you know, is he tired and all that type of stuff. I mean, in the league... I'm talking about, he played 2,814 uh, minutes that season, scored 15 goals. Last season, he plays 3,000 plus and scores nine goals. Um, yeah. You know, and he, he actually, you know, played in only 37 games that season. And look, there are a lot of things, even in just this year's stats and stuff, you look at his key passes. His key passes per game are around the same as they've always been. Yeah. His shots a game are over one shot. It's 1.2 shots a game down, which sort of backs Emma's point up again, doesn't it? And, you know, I, I do think we need to respect what Bobby has done over the last few years. We can question his form, absolutely. But but don't don't question his his ability because we ability has been there for five years, yeah. um, and and I just I don't I just don't want people to start this sort of witch hunt for Bobby Firmino when if he's not playing well enough, we've got Jota, we've got Shakiri, we've got Minamino. If he wasn't playing well enough for the team, he wouldn't be in the this- team. There's no need. For, there's just no need for. Uh, you're right. The witch on things is senseless, and I think that's a. There's a bunch of. But we always see over exaggerations when it comes to reactions. Again, particularly online, particularly in the world we sort of inhabit, it's completely unnecessary because you're right. Liverpool are top of the league. The, the front three are perform. We're scoring goals, and so at the top end of the pitch, it, we are performing. So it's not. A, it's not a pressing concern. If if you know again if it's only an issue if someone better is coming along and Bobby Firmino's being played for no reason other than out of like some sort of weird like England like favouritism where you just play someone based on reputation or something which I don't think would ever happen at Liverpool um, or if we stop scoring and we we stop being able to break teams down and we, maybe we need to refresh it and he's the one where you're not going to take Salah and Mane out you might look to then revolutionise it by doing something different by putting Jotter in or doing something like that but at the moment while it's working yeah we're kind of yeah we're complaining because I've said, I use this analogy a lot but we're complaining because like the, 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 the radio is not working in our Ferrari you know that's 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 pretty much our complaint at the moment um, but go on George anything else to add? I was just like the, we spoke about it and then we're talking about form and things like that and again we've got to bring up the fact there are no fans like Bobby Firmino is this showman. He plays football for like a crowd to entertain. Yeah. Like it's the it's Brazilian. Like it, it is what they do. Neymar spoke about it time and time again. Of you know, he's as much there to put on a show as he is to kind of play football. Now there is no crowd, and you don't know how that affects an, how that affects an, a player. You don't know whether you know, I think the crowd miss watching Bobby Firmino and singing a song and, you know, that's the one that guarantees everybody to kind of lift the spirits and you do you miss that as a fan to to go there and to shout at him and to sing a song and hope that you're going to be the one that lifts him up. He probably misses it as a player and we we don't think of that uh, the impact it has on them as well. 
yeah, I do like the idea that he just needs the greatest showman soundtrack to be played, <laughs> and then he'll be absolutely fine. Um, massive week, uh, massive week. This is looming, of course. Down the road, we've got Manchester City, Chris. And in terms of the league, um, you know, it's not the end of the world. Liverpool don't go and win there, but I think we've seen time and time again over the last three seasons that. The Man City games have proven absolutely pivotal to where the titles ended up. Um, it would be foolish of us to think this is anything but exactly that, really. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, obviously they're, they're a game behind us, aren't they? Um, but, the, you know, if they win their game in hand, I think they go two points behind us. So for all the talk about Manchester City this season and the poor results and the poor performances, they're not far behind us. And, and they'll be looking at this and, and making sure that a repeat of last year doesn't happen. Um, you know, when we we played that game early, didn't we? And we and we beat them. And, you know, that set the tempo for Liverpool's season. And it really, it really did, I think, probably at that point, make Manchester City think... Not this season, boys. Um, and I think Pep Guardiola will be making sure that that, uh, doing his best to make sure that that doesn't happen again this season because I think five points will feel like ten points if Liverpool beat them. If the gap is, is that much um, and the performance is, isn't there and that Liverpool, you know, um, do 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 put them so far behind them in the rearview mirror. So yeah, massive, massive, massive week. And you know, Atalanta. Obviously, I know we're not, we don't want to talk about it because it's tonight and stuff, Paul. In case people are watching later, but. Uh, probably the toughest game in the group as well. Um, you know the the way that they've been playing so far and the way that they've put their performances in over the last sort of eighteen months. Um, I'm very very thankful, should I say, that Liverpool have got two wins under the belt in the Champions League already because I think the focus has to shift to Manchester City this week. There's breathing room, isn't there, Emma, in, in the Champions League? That I'm not saying, you know, for, for the sake of our conversation, we, we kind of we will just kind of skip past it for now because I, I don't it, I don't think it's totally relevant other than maybe fitness issues or whatever for, for Liverpool for it's the weekend. It's a good weekend, thing that it's Tuesday though, Paul. Tuesday, yeah. Sunday, late. I mean, that that really helps us. Yeah, absolutely. And I, but I think the thing with the Man City stuff is right. You know, we work on the logic of them winning their game in hand, a five-point gap after you know eight games, whatever you know there or thereabouts, whatever it'll be by the time they do finally level it up. A five-point gap over Manchester City at any point is a wonderful thing, and I think you want to. I think the idea that Man City have finished or whatever is is been over exaggerated. It always is at this start of the season. People are always looking to glom on to some sort of weakness and make it out like it's bigger than it is, but. I think there is a point coming at this season, and if if we can if we can play our cards right, we play our game right. I think psychologically similar to, to last season a little bit, and with, with maybe Pep Guardiola's future slightly up in the air. I think we can get in their heads if we do put another lead down ahead of them. Yeah, I mean these games are now they're statement games. They're they're the kind of games where if you win, it can give you the confidence and the momentum that can carry you through three, four, five games afterwards, immediately mm. afterwards. You know, and it's it, like we, we talk about this, you know, ahead of Merseyside derbies, talk about it ahead of you know trips to like Old Trafford against sort of you know like old rivals like that, where it has there is more sting to the game. There is, and there's no denying it. You know, games against Manchester City now. Um, because of the quality that they have, you know, as you say, yes, that you know they haven't been performing to the same levels, but let's go by the logic that they're still very much kind of close on on Liverpool's tails. Then, yes, it is it is a match that that you need to be going there and you need to be trying to win because it can it can really lift the boys, it can it can lift the season, and it can while we've got these injuries. And let, let's remember as well that C- City they've they've got a lot of injuries, so there's a bit of an element of an unknown here, and it's a real test because. It's about how both teams kind of manage that 
injury rotation. And I think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting tactically to see how both teams set up. And I think that's perhaps why this weekend is probably more of a challenge, I think, than perhaps um, you know the, the, the games last season because we knew what to expect from both teams. We knew what our strengths and what their weaknesses were. Whereas now, I mean, who knows? Because you, you don't know how, how both teams are going to set up in terms of, you know, personnel, in terms of formation. So I think that that's, an, that's another challenge. And I think if Liverpool were to overcome that with a weakened team against a weakened City team, um, then that, yeah, like I said, I think that would be a statement and it'll be, it'll be, it'll be Liverpool sort of reminding everyone in the league, look, we're still top of the table um, really good position in the Champions League. Um, you know, if they can go and beat City, this is what we can do with a weakened team. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very hard for teams to recover if Liverpool, I mean, given that, you know, Man City actually won this league, this season's league by beating us last season at the Etihad, uh, it'd be a real shock to them to find themselves, you know, between five to eight points behind us in the title. I'm not sure how their heads would handle that weird. Um, Georgia, um, we've been teaming it up for a number of weeks now, but you're about to become a, a TV star on us. Is it tonight, 10.30, BT Sports? Yeah, tonight, 10.30, BC Sport 3, and then anyone in Europe on Inside TV, same time, yeah. Do you want to just tell everyone watching just a little bit about what it is? Yeah, so it's Ultimate Goal, um, that's the name of the show, and it's by the same makers of the next Jamie Vardy, and it's essentially, you know, 31 females, all female footballers, looking to kind of live and train as professionals for a week, and then the 31 get cut down to 16. And again, those 16, you know, play a showcase game at the end in front of agents and scouts. And the aim of it is to, you know, the ultimate goal, if you like, is to, to get that pro contract and to try and, you know, boost your career in any way. But I think the thing that we realised is from kind of having a week or two of kind of media and interviews and things is, although we say that, you know, the, the ultimate goal of the show when it was pitched was for that pro contract, I think coming away from it we kind of realized that everybody's was a bit different like success looks different to everybody um so for some girls it was going back to their club with kind of newfound confidence for others it was leaving the game as a whole going into coaching going into other things because they realized that's where their their kind of passion lies and yeah i think you know there's on top of that there's master classes in there from freddie lundberg um farrah williams peter crouch um, Robin Van Persie as well there's a whole kind of host of names in there did he host the left foot shooting session just left footed yeah, yeah it was really so, hard so. and just pure Dutch we had to learn it yeah it was real no he was incredible um, but yeah so it was kind of a whole host of things and a, a real amazing experience but it's finally on the TV tonight 10.30 BT Sport 3 is it hosted by Dana White? Because I think the show would do better being hosted by Dana White. <laughs> no, that's the ultimate fight. Ah, no, this is, um, again, hosted by, well, kind of hosted by the Camisa Twins. And we had the manager in Enio Luco and ex-Everton goalie Rachel Brown-Finnis, who are both our managers. 
Amazing. Well, there you go. Check it out on, on BT Sport. But we're not BT, BT aren't giving us any money to promote this. We're doing this to promote Georgia. Um, so yeah, do, do check it out. So don't, if you don't, if you can find it, watch it anyway. I don't care where you watch it. Just make sure that you do watch it. Uh, yeah, and check out our video on Georgia Stevens uh, on on that old telly box. Um, but listen, guys, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast this week. That's been absolutely fantastic. Feeling loads better about all the issues. Um, yeah, we'll have loads more coming for you later on this week. Of course, uh, the build-up show for Manchester City will follow if you're watching this live of course we've got our watch along um commentary tonight for the atalanta game uh, which is on hot mic and here on youtube as well and if you need something to keep you occupied between now and then or any point during the week we've got a three-part series with former Liverpool ceo peter moore a real in-depth deep dive into his life uh, from bringing reebok to liverpool to becoming the ceo and all the all the, the highs and lows literally you know everything we covered everything it was brilliant um that's on the redmantv.com uh, have a little look and listen to that uh, and go and sign up to the website. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, New friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.